God brought the Israelites up from Egypt, out of slavery, and into the promised land. He gave them victory after victory in conquering their enemies, settling the land, and in prospering. But when they grew wealthy, they forgot God. They began to believe that their successes were a result of their own intelligence, strength, and initiative. And so, as foretold by the prophets, God allowed foreign nations to conquer them and send them into exile, first Israel and then Judah. But God is gracious and merciful and promised them and us redemption through a Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us now go to the mercy seat of God our Father and confess our own need for him. Let us pray. Oh God, we need you in trying times, in tempting times, in failing times, lest we fall. We need you in successful times and in happy times, lest we become arrogant and pretend we can do everything ourselves. This morning, we confess our need of you at all times and places, for you are our beginning and end the Alpha and Omega. Amen. Scripture says that if we, are, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now with that great cloud of witnesses, let us state what we believe with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us turn and greet our neighbors, paying special attention to those we may not know yet.
speakers today. Before that, I would like to welcome Dr. Potter once more among our us and preaching to us today. It has been a treat to have Dr. Porter back a few times this summer. Fall kickoff will be held next Sunday from 10.15 to 11.30 out in the courtyard, all over the courtyard and in the uh, campus center. The children and adults, all of us are welcome to participate. So let's plan to have a lot of fun. And the gift of heart kits, that are hygiene kits for Presbyterian disaster assistance. So when there is a disaster, those kits get sent out. There is um, information of the things that we can donate, you can donate in the bulletin announcement part of it. And we will also make those kits next Sunday as a part of fall kickoff. Tutoring is also gearing up to start again and we need more tutors if you are gifted in tutoring children who need you, please uh, call the church office or Judy Armitage, who is the head of tutoring. Honduras scholarship sub school supplies are also being received in the office. All through the week, you're welcome to bring your donations. A nominating committee is taking names for officers for the next three years, beginning next spring. Uh, they are taking nominations of names for new elders and deacons, including shepherding deacons. Um, please pray for nominating committee as they find our new officers. And is there any other joys or concerns that I did not mention? If not, let us continue to worship God.
safety and health and well-being. But we also remember that in your presence, all who have become ill or are suffering from frailties need your healing touch. So we pray that you will give yourself in a healing way in all those wounded voices and restore all of us to life when some parts of us do not have the life that we can experience. We ask you to comfort the several in our family who have passed on, and recently those whose lives have been darkened by the loss of a loved one. We ask your blessing upon them that they may know your presence in a special way and have the courage and hope in your son's resurrection. We give thanks for the many ways this summer in which our people express their faith through mission outreach, Nicaragua, Honduras, we thank you for the people that they ministered to, and I'm sure they felt that Jesus, in those moments, was living among them. We thank you for those who reached out in the day of hope, teens who are Christ's example in their travels, including Atlanta, 
and many others who passed on the message of the gospel with their words and their faith in action. We want to be a witness to the gospel you intend all of us to share. And we thank you for those who have stepped forth to do that. And may we all as your body be moved to share in ministry and acts of mercy that reveal your love. We pray, Lord, especially for those who are embarking on transitions, that they might feel your grounding and your presence. We pray for those taking leave of family, for those who are traveling far and wide, for those starting school, college, and the empty places that families will feel. Remind us that on all of these changes, you are still present, very present, and that the time of unknowns is always followed by a new life. So we each bring our hopes and our dreams and our confessions and our desires that we can name now silently in our hearts. Be with Bruce as he ministers to us, and joining our voices as one, we pray as Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us.
celebrate our love for you by the giving of these offerings. We give them joyfully, and we know that we're singing songs of thanksgiving as we share in the riches that you've given us in order to help the growth of your kingdom. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may be seated, and we're going to ask Lori to come forward to our <laughs> All right, we'll see if we can make some noise. All right, guys, boys and girls, sit down here. I have to stand up here and be like your teacher today. So I'm going to see how it feels on the day before school. Parents, I have to let you know ahead of time, we are going to do a blessing. We're going to put our hands on your children, parents, grandparents, at the end. So if you're in the balcony, you might want to make your way down, and I'll invite you up when it is time. So now you have to kind of look at me because I'm going to talk here, and I'll uh, scoot this back a little bit. So this is such a special day because we are not only going to bless our backpacks, but we're going to bless the people who are carrying the backpacks. So tell me, what is something that you carry in your backpack? Yes. Pencils. What else? Yes. Your binder. That kind of weighs it down. Sophie. Books really weighs it down. Oh, Stuart, she took yours. You got another one? Anything else? Erasers, nice. Yes, Moxie. Homework. Homework. Sam. Lunchbox. Lunchbox. <laughs> Scissors. Excellent. So I have one more thing to put in your backpack. Don't worry. It doesn't weigh a lot, but it's something really, really, really important. It is so important that I want you to take it out and read it sometime during school. I want you to memorize it. I want you to put it right down in your heart so that you never, never forget. And Stephanie, will you read that for me? I, I am loved. loved. I am loved. Can you guys think of all the people who love you? Moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas. Uncles, aunts, guess what? Look out here. Look at all of these people. God is so smart that he not only gives us a home family to love us, he gives us a church family to love us. These people love and support you so much that it'll make you want to flip your card over and show this to all the people you meet at school. This is what we want to do with this love that God pours out on us. And are you ready for it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anyone know what that is? Yeah? Fruits of the Spirit. That's right. So let me give you an example. Let's say there's a kid in your class who is sitting by himself, or someone's been teasing him, or he doesn't know anyone and he's all alone. And you know how it might hurt your heart just a little bit? That's God whispering to you and God saying, go show him my love. Go show her my love. Because you know what? We follow Jesus. God loves us so much we can't help but pour it out onto every single person who might be hurting just a little bit. So if parents, if you would make your way down here, and find your child. And kids, if you would all stand up and hold your backpack up if you have it. And parents, reach out. Come behind them if you can. 
and reach out and touch your child. And if your parents or grandparents find someone that doesn't have a hand on them. Nice. This is only part of the love that you guys get every single day because all those people still sitting out there love you so much. And you know what? We get to come to church on Sunday, get all filled up with that love, and then we go out and we show that love to other people. So now I have a really special prayer, and I'm going to try to belt it out there so you guys can hear it. And I'm sorry for sounding like I'm yelling at all of you guys, but <laughs> I do that usually upstairs, don't I? Okay. And we are going to pray. So if you would close your eyes and fold your hands. And here's our special prayer for today. Gracious God, we lift to you today students all over the country who will be getting preschool, elementary school, middle and high school, and even college. We pray for the parents, teachers, tutors, and administrators who will touch the lives of these kids. We ask your blessing today on these backpacks as they will hold the schoolwork and supplies from home to school and back again. As these students carry these backpacks, may they be reminded of the love and care of this faith family that surrounds them each and every school day. And Lord, pour out your blessing on each child here. May they feel your presence and abundant love. May they hear your whisper as they head off to school and activities each day, filled with the confidence of how much they are loved. We pray in the name of Jesus, who we seek to follow day by day. And now for these kids, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and fill your hearts with love on the first day of school and forevermore. Amen. Okay. Let's go, guys.
throughout my ministry, sound people have said to me, you realize I can turn you off. <laughs> it has finally happened. <laughs> Although Don Freer is not responsible, I think it was lightning that did us in. <laughs> Reading from two passages of scripture, the first from the book of Exodus, It's the salvation story of the Old Testament. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the minds of the Pharaoh and the officials were changed toward the people. And they said, what have we done, letting Israel leave our service? So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. And he took 600 picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers and all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out boldly. The Egyptians pursued them, all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his chariot drivers and his army. And they overtook them, camped by the sea. And as Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them in great fear. The Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For I would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites, Go forward. And then from the New Testament, these words from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, where he uses a, a, a great military image. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything, stand. This is the word of the Lord. What to do when you can't do anything? In his early years as a lawyer, Abraham Lincoln in Springfield, Illinois, had befriended a man by the name of Joshua Speed. They roomed together on the second story of Speed's grocery store. 
They met and they became close because both men had, had a sort of nervous disorder and also had times of depression. Speed left after about four years and, and went on to live in Louisville, but the friendship between the two men continued on through uh, the years in the White House and finally right up until the day uh, that Lincoln was assassinated. Well, in one of, of Lincoln's particularly low moments in his life, he wrote a letter to Speed, and in that he had this insight. He said, whatever God designs, he will do for me yet. My text right now is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That was a strong characteristic of his faith, the belief that God would see him through and would lead him on in his life as both president and as a lawyer and as a, somebody who lived through the Civil, the Civil War. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It's the counsel to stop a while and let God carry on, to lead you on into the future which is yours, leading you on in the background of life. It is the announcement that God will see us through once we have tried to do everything we can do. It is the counsel to us that says, uh, leave a little for God to do. The occasion of, of his letter to Speed was the heartbreak of his broken engagement to Mary Todd. And there are many other times in Lincoln's life when he, he had uh, sad moments and depressions. But he continued on uh, in his life. Uh, in the White House, uh, he lost a son, a young son. And later on in his life, he had to live through the Civil War and the terrors that that brought. But we find his writing again to the governor of Illinois as a council of hope, Dear Dick, stand still and see the glory of the Lord. Now, aren't there times in our lives when that's our counsel too? Not all the time, because most of the time we're called to do something or be something or to act out something. On the other hand, there are times in our lives when we reach the bottom, the best advice that we can have is to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Let me list some of those moments. When you have done everything you can do, and there is nothing left to do. You've called a doctor, you've taken care of legal matters, matters, you have baked a cake, you have cleaned the house, you've read all the books on the subject which is bothering you, you've even gone to the internet to see if you could find some answers to your problem, and you still hurt or cry or ache, and you say, I wish I, there was something more I could do, and there isn't. Or what do you do when you have a dilemma and either side that you choose is, is not going to be a good one and you are simply bottomed out and feel at the end of your resources? Or what about those situations where you are panicky and, and trapped and you know that you shouldn't do anything because anything else you do will make matters worse? Your attempted cure may be worse than the disease and will make things more complicated or more unpleasant or more untenable, and we know it. It is times then when we're struggling so hard that we need to rely on God 
stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. Now you, of course, know where that story and those verses come from. They come from uh, the story of Israel uh, and, and the battle cry of Moses there at the Red Sea. The pursuing Egyptian armies are, are closing in on those Israelites. They have the army behind them and they have the sea in front and they're trapped. And so the Jewish huddled masses begin uh, feel betrayed and scared and they begin to cry out in panic. Others in despair moan. It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt to die out here in the wilderness. And then Moses stands tall. He was never more heroic. He shouts out across the ranks of his people, don't be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. And the words are passed back down through the ranks of the, of the Israelites, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then if you know the story, the wind rises and the Lord God of Israel makes a way where there is no way. The sea is parted for those Jewish exiles and they go forward on dry ground. And then just as abruptly the Red Sea closes and covers the chariots and the horses and the armies of Pharaoh that were following. And the little Jewish nation once surrounded and afraid and helpless is saved. And the greatest salvation story in the Old Testament has come true. And God has been the Savior. So is the counsel, is the counsel of Moses to his people and the counsel of Lincoln to his friends relevant to us today? I think it is. At least it's a saving message to some of us some of the time. Let's look at the three verbs that appear in this text. They all begin with S. Perhaps they tell us what we need to do when we feel undone. The first one is stand. Stand. When trouble comes, how important posture becomes. You know, even in normal times, we have body language, and that body language is emphasizes our feelings and reinforces our feelings. When we're sad, we tend to sit down, either in a chair or on the floor, and we say, I am down, and that's the poise we take, and our chins are in our chest, and we've all turned in upon ourselves. And in times of guilt and sorrow or grief, that posture is necessary for a while. But we are psychosomatic people. And that simply means that our, our minds and our feelings connect. Our bodies and our feelings connect. When we have a cold, it's awfully difficult to be cheery. Conversely, when we exercise, take a walk, when we stand tall, we are strangely lifted. Our posture makes a difference. I love that story about Elijah, you know, who's running from Queen Jezebel. He has defeated and he has destroyed the prophets of Baal. But the Queen Jezebel has said that he is going to be in Hades just like those prophets were. So Elijah runs for his life and he hides in a cave. And the Lord comes and Almighty God says to Elijah, Elijah, stand up. Get on your feet and I will speak to you. What if salvation begins when at the end of our resource at wit's end, 
we decide to stand up and to hold on. You know, my Episcopal friends say, you know, in worship, we kneel to pray, we sit in order to reflect, and we stand to offer praise. One of the most moving moments for a pastor who sits in the chancel of a church is to look out in a congregation and see people out there that are fighting a lonely battle, fighting a lonely battle, and to see them stand up and sing a hymn of praise and of victory. Might we not see that there is something we can do when we can't do anything? In the most famous military image, uh, Paul tells the Christians at Ephesus, he says to them, put on the whole armor of God. And then he illustrates the various parts of armor that they need to do. And then he finally says this. He says this grand thing. When you've done all of that, stand. There's something that you can do when you think there is nothing to do. Robert Louis Stevenson uh, had tuberculosis and, and was sick most of his life. And yet he was able to write happy verses for children. And he was able to write uh, great adventure stories. And he wrote these words. He said, God, if this were enough to go on forever and to fail and to go on again and be mauled to the earth and arise, Lord, if that were enough. And you see, it is enough as a start. It's a song of praise to God. It is a posture of faith. Secondly, when you think and can go no further than be still, still yourself. Once we've done something with our posture, we need to do something with our pace. It's hard for us to get straight that some things can't be fixed by doing more things. We were born and bred on God helps those who help themselves. We like that Indian proverb which says, call upon God but roll away from the rocks. We like uh, that because we Americans are rowers and doers and achievers. We say what we can What's difficult we can do today and what is impossible will take just a little longer. Except that's not the way it is always. There are times when we're pursued by the legions of darkness. No more doing is going to help. No simple answers suffice. Our resources have run out and our confidence in ourselves makes us helpless. Anything more we do is panic. It will be overreaction. You see, it's hard for type A people, for people who are used to controlling their lives and even other people's lives, to admit their helplessness. Our friends in Alcoholics Anonymous tell us, until I admitted my helplessness before alcohol and my need for a higher power, I was done. I was finished. One of my friends who ended up in a hospital and almost died said the worst part of that experience there in the hospital was, I was faced with an illness I couldn't fix. For the first time in my life, I was not in charge of my life. I had to trust someone else. And that's when we need to fall back on God, to be able to trust someone else when we are helpless. Then we need to take our place in quietness, be still, and know that I am God. It's like the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, you know. 
They're out there in the turbulent sea. And Jesus, Jesus woke up and finally said to them, you know, peace, be still. Where's your faith? Activity needs to be balanced by inactivity. Work by prayer, noise by quiet. Leave a little to God who works in the background of our lives by being still. Those children of Israel, you see, were trapped there. Enemies behind them in a wall of the sea before them. And Moses stood up and cried to the people, Don't stampede in fear. Stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. There's a third command in our uh, impotent times. Stand still and finally see. See the salvation of our Lord. This is a new perspective in times of trouble. We need a new posture. We need a new pace. We need a new perspective. Why don't we see, all of us, that God does miracles all the time in our lives? Dozens of us here have recovered or are recovering from a terrible cold that we had not so long ago. Many of us are knitting from some broken bone that has, that has come together or scabbing over some minor wound that you have received. Our scars should be a grace sign to us of God's goodness and God's healing. How many are emotionally recovering, recovering from the loss of a loved one because God's in God's time does take away some of the pain and fill some of the emptiness. One woman said after her bouts of, of depression, she said, I can say even at the lowest moments, nothing lasts forever and sooner or later I come out of it. And another woman said with a, a little bit of humor, I suspect, she said, my favorite verse in all of scripture is, it came to pass. Well, don't call all of that natural. It's a miracle. God doesn't work as dramatically always as he did at the Red Sea, but he does make a way through for us where there appears to be no way. God doesn't even ask us to acknowledge him in order to heal us or to strengthen us or to, to encourage us. But finally, we, when we come to the place where we come through what is a Red Sea for us, we're able to say, I didn't do it alone. I simply didn't do it alone. Now, sometimes the rescue we receive signals other problems and other issues. Crossing the Red Sea, you know, for the Israelites meant they also had to go 40 years in the wilderness. Lincoln did work out his broken engagement to Mary Todd, which was the occasion for his first sadness. He won her, but his marriage wasn't all a beautiful thing. It had its dark side as well as its sunny side. Yet the Lord God of the Red Sea is able. He will lead us through again if we ask him in the midst of our helplessness. If we count on him, he will, he will come to us at our wit's end. If we hold to him when we reach bottom, he will not fail, even though we may have a different route than we had originally expected. The promise is that God will lead us to no final cul-de-sac. He is not the shepherd of dead ends. He is not the Lord of impasses. He is not the Lord of closed doors. Our God is a God who makes a road where there is no road. He opens a door where all the entries appear to be closed. Remember, 
He makes a way through the raging sea. And of course, when we come to the New Testament and when it comes to our Lord at Easter, He moves the stone away. A woman I knew had two sons. One was 12 and one was one. She was a minister's wife and her husband was dying of cancer in Baltimore, Maryland Hospital. She felt the future was closed and the future was frightening. The woman was my mother. Years later, when both my brother and I had become ministers, she sent me a letter and included some words that had strengthened her back in the difficult times back earlier and then through the years. They were words of Henry Jowett, who was a pastor of another age and time. And these are the words. The Savior who has led you past one ward in the dark experience will lead you through another and another. The gates will open as you arrive. You will not be left groping in a dark passage with your trembling fingers bruised and broken by contending with an iron gate. The iron gate will open of itself, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And it did. Oh, my friends, when we face the crossing of the Red Sea at the very last, you and I, let there be no panic. Let there be no fear. Stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. Amen.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen.